I love how exciting it is when we connect on here. <laughs> it's exciting for me every time. Right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, I'm Lusum. And this, how do you want to Who do you want to be? I don't know. I've never really... I feel weird saying my name. Or really ever referring to myself. So, we're just two autistic uh, women and we're talking today about how we actually even came to autism and discussing diagnoses. And I want to know how you came to it. Um, okay. So should I, I start where I started or, or like, um, yeah, just tell me that story of how you, how you, I'm searching for like why I am uh, crazy. (laughs) Why, why things are so difficult. Like why there's so many, like it started with the depression, like trying to learn more about depression. And then it went from there. I learned about anxiety, yada, yada. Um, I can't remember exactly the way. um, Well, you're telling me how you were interested in psychology and anything to do with your body. Everything and every subject around it, and um, um, yeah, I kind of think so. When I got into school, when I got into college, um, I just I obviously I learned more, and I have this feeling of you know always having like I've got this feeling of wanting to achieve something in life and the more that I learn and the more life progresses it's like the more that I learn about this thing that I want to do or whatever it is my purpose whatever you want to call it um so when I got into college I started coming up with these ideas of something like a mental health clinic something mental health related I thought about youth but then I came up with um like like mental health like clinics and like how you go to a doctor and you get checkups or um yeah you could go to these places and uh you know like do tests like testing for depression and stress scales and anxiety and um what else is there like like what sort of balance you have in between your leisure and your work life and your family and your finances and all of that fucking shit and the social determinants of health and fucking whatever all the whatever right I'm still like learning things about myself and like trying to like going on hyper focus fucking research fucking like things where I find a subject and something in me is like this is important this relates to blah 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 and then I as I learn more about it I figure out how it is connected um but then I started realizing how important um expression is and especially for people who, I don't know, this is what I think. I was thinking of what kind of therapy, what is going to work. And expressing yourself in any sort of form through music, watching Danny as he struggled, but he started playing guitar and all he did was play guitar. And that was like, that's when he was the happiest. Um, and he tried all sorts of other little art things. I have my writing, um, any kind of expression. So then I started looking up art therapy because I'm like, well, that is the epitome of expression. 
and um, and then I saw how common it is with children with autism. I'm like, okay, what is this autism thing? Like now, like I'm in hyper focus mode. I might as well see what the fuck it is. And then <laughs> it's like, what, what? That's me. <laughs> like, what is happening? And then it was, it was, but it wasn't that clear. It was like, um, you know, finding lists on the internet. Like one of the ones that you sent me, the the um, the characteristics of like nine to eleven year old girls. And uh, some of the stuff that just things like that and some of the stuff that just jumps out that you don't even expect to bunch in with all of these other things that you're recognizing about yourself. And what that was this year? That was January 2020 in my journals is the first time I saw anything about autism. January of 2020? Yeah. So you've been you've been grappling with this privately for a year and a half well I got really into it and like I said it wasn't that like cut and dry because a lot of it like before that I was looking up um you know I was curious about shadow work and uh like not being suicidal but the I don't know like the depth of the emotions that go around that like sorrow and grief and um you know how they really fucking and yeah and stuff like that and I was really like it was uh there was there's a lot going on but then I get to autism and then everything that I'm writing about is about autism and dissociation disorders and the spectrum of dissociation because that's like me and it's <laughs> I don't know how long I've been doing that but I'm it's been since well since then since 2016 but I don't remember because I fucking dissociate all the time mm-hmm. so it's fucking weird but the autism um I was on it for I think it was only a month maybe three yeah both two three months because in March then um then I had to switch cities pandemic and shit just got real like, it got way too real. Like, that is when, um, you know, I was having breakdowns on the phone. Like, Toronto was calling me. And um, they're telling me the scheduling and, like, asking me about, like, like, um, do you have any of these symptoms? Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, oh, I just start fucking crying. I just start bawling. And it was, like, one of the first times where I didn't have the capacity to feel embarrassed about crying. Because I was so overwhelmed that like I couldn't even hide it I couldn't even shade it like it was exploding Mm -hmm. (laughs) out of me Mm -hmm. and and then at the hospitals after that same thing breakdowns in the hallway um like I've all I've you know the meltdowns and stuff started happening after I gave birth that I've started like that I noticed or that I you know, that I can, I don't recall any before that in my life. Um, but yeah, this last year, they've been fucking, they've been crazy. They've been so extreme. Like, it's like the mask is falling, you know, and I'm at the point now because it was so exhausting. Like, I knew about the autism and it's like, maybe it just, it went somewhere in my subconscious because it didn't really come back up until these last few months. Um, it just, it was just, 
I don't even think I referred to it much, but it was present in the background um, relating to, you know, the things that I started to become conscious of that I was doing. And yeah, shit like that. So, and somewhere along there, I was sharing that content from Jen has ADHD. Oh yeah, and then TikTok came into it. Like on TikTok, it, there's like autism and like every because I got diagnosed with BPD. So on TikTok, I found BPD TikTok, and I found trauma talk, and then I find ADHD talk, which is like the, the the whole and like the entire mental health community. Half of it is ADHD, but the ADHD is actually ADHD and autism and just neurodivergency in general and people who are misdiagnosed. The BPD is in there, and it's. It just became this common, you know, thing in my head, I think since November, last November. Hmm. When you brought it up, I was just like, oh, you like, I just thought I'm like, okay, so you have autism. Well, because I remembered, um, you know, I don't know, like, I just, yeah, I thought that you just, you had it and you didn't talk about it. Really? That's what you thought? I assumed that that was my assumption. That was my logical. I'm like, that's obviously that's it. Wow. Oh, wow. Because you're ADHD, I don't see, like, I have, like, this forgetfulness and this weightiness sometimes, and I see it in Danny. I don't see similarities of Danny and you. But I don't think it's not ADHD. It's not that kind of neurodivergency, so it must be autism. Wow. <laughs> That's interesting. That's really interesting. So for me, I think it was, um, there's so much to discuss that like, I really don't even feel like it's appropriate to like, to begin where I should begin because it's so comprehensive and it would have to start with my childhood, but I can't really do that. You know, in this context, I would have to take it to um being sexually assaulted and noticing that my community didn't really care that much yeah and they claimed to care about sexual assault but for some reason they differentiated sexual assault against me for some reason it was okay that i was sexually assaulted and i was really not happy with that awareness i was like wait 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 you're all against rape but unless it's me so that tied into like a whole bunch of stuff from my childhood and um, religion and being raised in a cult and everything was okay as long as it was happening to me because I deserved it I was evil that was just an, an understanding everyone knew that common knowledge and so when my sexual assault wasn't investigated um I got really mad rightfully so and Mm -hmm. I even had a motto public and legal and made some videos on YouTube nothing you know nothing weird just basically documenting the things that people were saying to me online and showing like what people how people respond to a sexual assault victim and 
I definitely noticed that they were like highlighting things like she's retarded, um, she's mentally ill. I was being removed from platforms, removed from groups. I was being uh, blocked. And, you know, all of it based on the fact that I had some pretended mental illness. And, you know, obviously I should be avoided. I'm dangerous. And so I took the, the stance of like, well, wait a second. So uh, let's say I am mentally ill. Let me give you the benefit of the doubt. Um, is that how we treat people who are sexually assaulted with mental illness? Is that how we treat them? So I was just blown away with like all this awareness of just like how narcissistic our society is to even like have these reactions and lack of reactions so you already know i was criminalized i was arrested on false allegations um one of these people who particularly bullied me felt that they wanted to lie and perjure themselves and say that I was stalking them. And I was arrested on a stalking charge that was never actually real. I had never been stalking this person and they knew that. Um, I was held on a $2 million bail for 15 months illegally. The charges were dropped, but the problem was- is That's that a crazy amount. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's it's an international terrorist fail is what it is. I remember seeing that and I'm like, what in the... (laughs) Who is this woman? (laughs) One of the things that haunts me to this day is when I look at, you know, actual people being arrested for sexual assault crimes and I see their bails and I'm Mm -hmm. like, wow. (laughs) So I was more dangerous than this person. You know, even, even, you know, Derek Almina, who was brought up on charges for the ghost ship where 36 people were killed, had a $750,000 bail. But somehow me, who's never had any problem whatsoever, uh, no drug issues, no issues of violence, no criminal record, somehow I'm a $2 million bail from the gate. So... Long story short, um, through my incarceration, the DA, the district attorney of Sonoma County, really wanted to impregnate the idea that I was bipolar. So I underwent evaluation, psychiatric evaluations for bipolar. Uh, It was inconclusive. There were two doctors from the district attorney's office that said I was bipolar. There were two doctors from my attorneys that declared I wasn't bipolar, but the problem I had was that I left jail and was released without having any conclusion about what was going on. And I didn't have, you know, any sort of general assessment taken. No one really looked at neurodivergence, you know, possibilities or none of it. And I was, you know, thrown out of jail, homeless. And within a year, in my own place, um, got my credit back, got my, you know, got my vehicles, uh, got my job. Uh, so their allegations of mental illness or drug addiction don't <laughs> hold up, you know, that that person isn't able to get up on their feet after being completely ripped from society and to everything taken from them. That, that doesn't happen in a year. And truth be told, I did it in six months. I just didn't have my own house in six months. 
So, you know, I try to like alert people to, oh, you know, what type of a person is capable of doing that? Oh, I'll tell you. It's a person who is able to hyper-focus. It's a person who doesn't have a lot of support around them and is used to doing things on their own and with a lot of, you know, without a lot of interference. So that's what I did. And through that, I got back online, was able to like sort of network a little bit because I didn't really have any friends from when I was arrested. I was held too long. I lost all of my connections. I was able to find you. Um, but getting back online, I somehow connected to Jen has ADHD Yeah. and I didn't even notice that I was identifying with every single post, except for, I eventually noticed that I was identifying with every single post. I'm like, Hey, wait a second. For like the last three months, I've literally liked every single thing <laughs> this person has published. I might've shared every single thing this person has published and then you and and i started sharing each other's posts yes and then we started eventually i think it took a couple months though before Mm, we actually had a conversation about it yeah yeah and then once we had a conversation about it you were like i've been wondering if i should talk to you about this and I'm pretty sure it was you who sparked me having taking the Aspie quiz, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I that's... found like I've seen that that's the only thing that's really available that has been used for quite a while. Um, and I have but... to say, Kirsty, thank you for saving the most important person in my <laughs> life. Because if you hadn't pointed her in the right direction, there's no telling how how bad this could have been really fast really fast yeah. good timing very good timing so then we found the aspie quiz and uh, honestly for me kirsty like that is the aha moment yeah, yeah i remember i remember when you messaged me you're like holy have, fuck yeah i have a son who i've already gone through this i've advocated for a child on the spectrum but he is a male child and i you know that was a lot easier Mm -hmm. Um, but something about taking that Aspie quiz, you know, the one with 121 questions and they give you a visual at the end of it that like Mm -hmm. puts you like in some sort of visual, you know, way that was the one that absolutely like my world has not been the same since let's just put it that way. Um, I never even imagined it. I never imagined that that could even be a possibility And then when we talked about the Aspie quiz and we talked about like the results that we were finding and we talked about, you know, how, how could it be that we never even thought of this? Yeah. All the other similarities too. Yeah. And then it's just like this. Oh my gosh. It's kind of its own hell in a way. Yeah. Yeah, you, like, you went the first two days, first night, night, day and a half, just completely fucking balls to the wall focused on this. Like, you, I'm pretty sure you you stayed up all night and looked up every single thing that you could find about it. Yeah, I think in the first 24 hours, I had scourged the internet as 
and and got some really good information enough to like you know blow my mind and yeah. before the 24 hours was up i'm pretty sure i'd already ordered some books on amazon yeah. <laughs> and at that point i was in bed for two days trying to recover from everything i'd learned this one visible differences yep yep for and, me and Sorry, then the, the process of like getting all those books and being traumatized with the the fact that you know i i, I ordered a lot of books online about female autism and yeah. the majority of what I got is basically highlighting the ineffectual status of where we're at in diagnosing women on the spectrum that's what mm-hmm. I, I a bunch of question marks. I basically invested in material that only confirms the clinical failure to diagnose women and others on the spectrum. That's what you guys need to change the name of this to. You, need, you guys need to change this to let people know that this is a woman's ASD group, not a man's. Mm-hmm. That might actually get you the accurate following. Because it doesn't say that. I was just thinking about that right now. I was yeah, because I don't want a whole bunch of male trolls. Male trolls. Know. Just trolls. They're just. <laughs> oh, what? Because it's female. <laughs> Oh my god. But if I see this is the thing. If I was flipping through autistic things like uh shows to listen to, I would stop on the female one that I knew had something to do with female because it's like all the men's stuff. It it applies I guess, but it's not it's not the same. It's too it's not so it's more subtle. How can we fit women into the title? Do you think we should? Hmm. I I don't okay I don't know I don't even want to think about that right now because um, that's not okay yeah put a pin in it put a pin in it so Um. now my problem is that I'm so angry with the medical community for their failure their acknowledgement of their failure is subpar because as far as i'm concerned if you make that kind of a failure to the point where you have to deregulate asperger's from the dsm and incorporate it into an autism umbrella and you already know why you're doing that doesn't it make more sense to draw attention to the fact and the failure of all the people that fell through the cracks because of that uh, particular diagnosis. Doesn't doesn't it seem like they have a responsibility to find us? You know, if they did that, then they would have to do it for the whole mental health community. Uh, It's not like it doesn't seem like anyone's fucking picking that up. So what? I don't care. As far as I'm concerned, it's like it's such a massive failure Mm -hmm. that like... I don't know. It's horrific. It's horrific. It's really horrific. It's horrific. And to think, I mean, even if it just came down to like, okay, so let's just put something out there, blanket statement that, you know, if you're a medical professional and someone is coming to you for an assessment, a female is coming to you late in life for an assessment of ASD, how about we put it on the same terms that we do with rape? Just believe her. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Just believe right? her. Like, and what people do you have who to are do late to investigate and give her an assessment if she's requesting? How is that problematic if you already know that that the medical field has failed them? How is it possible to turn one woman away? I was just thinking earlier, like, oh my god, my brain is shutting off. Oh, my brain is shutting off. No. It's only 24 minutes. Oh. In 23 seconds. In 26 seconds. People who are late diagnosed, um, like, you know, if they have spent enough of their free time looking this up to the point where, and learning it, and applying it, to the point where they're going to go to a doctor, a professional, to get, they're going to take the time out of their day or pay them money or whatever it is, go through the entire fucking process to do this. Money. Like, dedicate to that. Yeah, why did somebody go? We should be treated as experts just as well as the people who are diagnosing. Like, I'm going to go back again to with, you know, like, um, AA meetings and the, what is it, like, the self-help, not self-help, but, like, the steps programs like with sponsors and stuff like the people who ran those are people who have lived experience they're it's not doctors and nurses it's people who have went through it and they are experts because that's their field it's their life yeah and so you know it should be the same for this like we live this i i think it's the same as 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 my rape comparison we already know that most women are afraid to come forward. We already know that most people are not going to file charges. So if someone goes through everything that we already know is almost impossible to get them to file it, and they come forward and say, I'd like to file, why would you not believe them? Yeah. Why wouldn't you? What's the problem with investigating? Because that's all they're asking for. They're not saying declare this true. They're saying, please put this in a courtroom for me. Please put this under investigation for me. Yeah. I have reason to believe that there a crime has been committed. I have reason to believe that I need a diagnosis. Please put an investigation forward for me. That's all we're asking. It's the same. That should be enough. It's it should be enough. It doesn't mm-hmm. it doesn't preclude or guarantee any sort of outcome. All it does is give you the benefit of the doubt that no to know that that your community that your systems in place that are there to protect you, um, you know, are actually helping you. Especially when you're asking for help. Yeah. You know, and now I feel, so for me, as far as like getting diagnosis, and I've talked extensively about this, like that's one of the questions that keeps coming up with professionals is, so how will diagnosis affect your life? What will change? And there's, I have two feelings on that. One is um, part of me, the rebel in me says, screw you people, you failed us already. I don't need your diagnosis. I know who I am. I know what I am. And I can go forward and I can go all the way. And I can totally convince everyone of what I'm saying because it's true. Yeah. I don't need your diagnosis. But then on the other hand, there's a part of me that says, wait a second. I actually do need it. Because no one's going to read my book or listen to my podcast or trust my quote or, you know, without, it's like this catch 22. 
Like you can't do it without the validation. And the only people that I'm interested in even helping are the people who are most likely going to fill, you know, fall through the cracks. The people who had misdiagnosed or never going to get diagnosed. Yeah. Those are the people that concern me the most. So my needing validation, how does that make them feel if they know they can never even get there? Does that make sense? Like this, it's like survivor's guilt. It's like, I feel guilty. I'm not really sure what I should be doing, but I feel like, like it's important for me. I guess I'd look at it this way. If I was a woman who knew I could not get diagnosed and I was sure that this was my diagnosis and just the political situation, the insurance situation, whatever, I happen to be in a country where they don't even acknowledge adult autism. You know, there's a lot of criteria of why this could be. Um, If I were one of those women who knew without a doubt that I could not ever get a diagnosis until things changed politically or, you know, in some way for me, would I want someone else to not get a diagnosis because of that? I would definitely want to see it happen. I would definitely want to be alive and experience that in my lifetime. Like I would want want to get a diagnosis despite the fact that I couldn't. Because yeah. I wouldn't know. Maybe that person who got the diagnosis would remember me and come back and come to my country or come to my husband or come to my doctor and say, hey, the same thing happened to me. Yeah. And I would have been totally falling through the cracks, but someone saw it in me too. I just, I just would never hinder someone. And I do think that we need to get the medical profession to actually step up. And, and actually, you know, acknowledge their failure because this is a failure. Can't, the Asperger title has only been removed this year. Wow. I think it was 20, wasn't it 2013, wasn't it? Or no? No, I'm just saying from the DSM. Oh, really? I don't know. I, it could be longer. I think, you know, if, if anything, I think it was the 90s. But either way, I mean... Why does it take 40 years to discredit, you know, a Nazi inclined scientist that killed autistic people? Why does it take 40 years, 50 years, 60 years? Why does it take one year? Yeah. Like, how come they didn't distance themselves immediately? How did he get that acclaim all that time? And let's face it, there are a lot of people who are still identifying with it. So it's not dead yet. Yeah. Anyways, I'm just, it's, it's very political for me. So yeah. diagnosis is political and um, yeah, I'm, I'm the girl who would like to get diagnosis in order to go back and have some legitimacy to question, you know, places like France and Canada and, you know, the Arab Emirates and say, why aren't we actually looking at this? Yeah. What? I'm really like, what is happening? All married, all males carry an X and a Y chromosome and receive the X from their mothers. Females carry two X chromosomes, receiving one from each parent. 
Hence, girls can inherit fragile acts from either parent while boys inherited only from their mothers. That's the truth. That's matriarchal DNA. Holy shit, it is. As far as I'm concerned, it's all about matriarchal DNA. It should be. What he's saying is that women have less of a chance of getting it because they have two X things. So if one gets... I don't know. I just started reading it. I don't know. It's interesting. I'm looking up at uh, UC Davis because they're the experimental research leaders, I would imagine, and they seem to have all kinds of women's autism stuff. So, Kirsty, how do you feel about getting diagnosed? Is it something you want? Is it something you don't feel inclined to? Or I think that if I was in a different place in my life, um, I would be able to pursue it. But at this moment... Uh... Like, I think it out, and I think how much money it costs, how much money I have, um, the barriers that are basically against me, and, like, the risk-benefit, not risk-benefit, but, like, what am I going to, what is going to change? What's going to change for me? It's like, I, you know, I I can idealize stuff, but what is going to change for me in my everyday life, or... I don't know. Let's say that money wasn't an object and it was something that, you know, politically, you know, you just make the assessment appointment, the assessment is made. and If there is no money, I would do it. That's what I want to know. 100%. Yeah. It would be, I I would, it would be a a very large part of my life. So like one of them, it would be a chunk. Do you feel a certain sadness that you don't get to like explore this or that you don't feel like it's that there's support for you to explore this? Um, really, I feel like I'm just going to do it a little later on in life. Like right now, I can't afford it, but what I can do is learn more about it. And um, I don't know, whatever else that entails, whatever I decide to do with my time. And at some point, I can pursue it. Like, you know, get it done. There's so much sound happening in my house right now. And you have a young child that you are walking through assessment too. Yeah. So i had that experience but i didn't know that i was on the spectrum at the time i was advocating for my son so while i learned a lot i still didn't take advantage of it the way i could have and there will be certain opportunities for you to take advantage of and you know have you know have just opportunities to like you know now now that you know that you you know you find yourself on the spectrum going through you know certain processes with him and exposure with him it's not exactly the end all be all for you but it's closer yeah it's It's sad too I feel sadness when I think of him you know because like I have figured out how to navigate life like I've like 
until I moved here, like I moved every two years, like you can call it avoidance, but I knew what I was doing. Um, When I think about Ollie, I just think of the support and the support that I am not able to offer him and what he needs. And then I worry about, you know, I worry about everything about him not getting what he needs every time he struggles or he gets upset. Well, I would worry because, and I don't mean to like, you know, implore (laughs) doom or anything, but let's face it. One of the things that I'm realizing, just my own confrontation of, you know, finding myself on the spectrum and facing, you know, the medical community and the stigma from society and all the, all the ableism and things like that is that the, the majority of resources available are resources that actual autistic people want nothing to do with. Yeah. The actual, like, you know, go-to places like Autism Speaks, etc., are, you know, places and people who talk comfortably about finding a cure for autism. And so these are the people that nine times out of 10 government agencies and systems in place are going to be resourcing to help your child and it's medically based you know so it's it's not pathologized no yeah it's not comforting at all it's actually terrifying i feel like because it's medically based it goes along with the theme of patriarchy patriarchal society like just addressing things in a singular manner and not with a holistic view or a multidisciplinary approach um it's just you know oh there's something there let's cut it out and fix it you know and it's not like that right yeah i have the same worries for my son um and for me, it's it's really weird right now because it's like, I feel like, I don't know, there's just this example that comes to mind. Um, like, I heard a story about a, a woman with two children, a true story uh, that took place during tsunami that was on Christmas Eve, I think it was 2005. And basically she was confronted with the choice of like, she had one child who was too young and couldn't swim and another child that was just old enough to swim. And she had to choose which child she could save and which child she had to let go. And of course she let go of the child that she believed could possibly swim and survive. And for me, it kind of feels like that's the choice that I'm facing with regard to my son And I either advocate for him and spend the rest of my life, like trying to make sure that he's protected from the system and the medical field that is not so eager to necessarily help him. Um, Or I save myself and hopefully have the energy and the resources to, you know, have an impact on his life before it's too late. You know, these aren't choices. No, this is a horrible, horrible dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I am I am choosing to focus on me and then I have survivor's guilt feeling like uh you know, how selfish, how self-absorbed. But being being more 
knowledgeable and understanding of of the subject and yourself and all of that is more beneficial to your son than you ignoring I just don't see how I could proceed any other way because I'm at a full stop recognizing myself in this spectrum and recognizing every single you know like having flashbacks all day and you know it's like having pop rocks of life just like exploding left and right memories a conversation ooh, this person the way they looked at me oh, I remember I remember that comment you know just constant explosions of little memories and little microaggressions that look different now when I see that I had autism that it wasn't, you know, that I was evil and all of these things. So yeah. I don't think that I could advocate for him because I haven't properly been able to recategorize all these little pop rockets of life that have happened to me. Yeah. I actually have to like go through that until that settles down. You know, how when you put pop rockets in your mouth, it explodes for like 15, 20 seconds. And then eventually it's like two or three pops and eventually it's done. Yeah. I'm waiting for that part. You know, I'm just waiting for the explosions to stop or to slow down or to be, you know, at least before I take another dose. That's for sure. For the popcorn to be ready. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and I'm getting that now. I'm remembering stuff that I didn't even realize I had forgotten until I remembered it again. All while raising my son. The most... <laughs> The most seemingly, you know, ridiculous detail all of a sudden looks completely different to me now. Right. Completely different. It's insane. It's, mm-hmm. But it's comforting in a way. Because it's like I could remember these memories before I knew this about myself. And then remember them and remember them and remember them and turn them over and over and over in my head and wonder what is wrong with me. Why did that happen? Why did I let this happen? Why did they do this? why the fuck, why, 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 and have all these questions and never get past it, but you get this little fucking nugget of fucking amazingness. I don't even know what to call it. My vocabulary is It feels so like shit. heaven. I mean, it, yeah. in a way, it feels like going to heaven. It's like a key. Like all of a sudden... You know, you get this memory, and you're like, oh, this key goes in this. There. Yep. Yeah, it's done. exactly like that. Like, the key yep. fits. Oh, mm-hmm. my God, the key is going all the way through, and the door opened. No way. <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly what it feels like. So that's perfect. <clears throat> Females are protected from fragile X syndrome to a degree because they have they two X chromosomes. Out. Because one of their X chromosomes is most likely to be normal, the effect of the abnormal one is less pronounced. They usually have milder problems than males, with only 30% having intellectual disability and the rest having emotional or learning problems. This is from UC Davis. Well, that would explain why women don't tend to have the same social. That's Dr. Hagerman, leading authority on fragile X syndrome. She's the medical director of the UC Davis Medical Investigation on Neurodevelopmental Disorders. That's really cool. It's the MIND Institute, M-I-N-D Institute. The MIND Institute. That sounds interesting. (laughs) UC Davis. They're usually the best at research and experiments and stuff. They should know more than anybody. I didn't know that. Something to investigate. <laughs> I've used them. Um, you ever look up think tanks? I learned about think tanks in college. Mm-hmm. I wrote that down. I didn't. 
when it first when I first discovered them, I'm like, oh my, like it was like the holy grail. I'm like, this is amazing. Like, why isn't this a widespread thing? Why didn't I learn about think tanks in fucking high school? Our whole life is a think tank. (laughs) Every day with us is a think tank. It's fun. It sounds fun. You're fun, honey. I love you. Well, let's get together again and talk about... I think there's still more to talk about diagnoses. Yeah. Um, I think we should just have like a, another segment and just keep talking and exploring diagnoses. Mis- I wrote diagnoses. some stuff down. I wrote some ideas down we can talk about after. Yeah, because I don't know about you, but I've been misdiagnosed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how that plays a role. And I understand that many women have been misdiagnosed with BPD, which is exactly what happened to me. So I think we should. I'm diagnosed with it now. Yeah, I think we should talk about that and like what would bring someone to be to have that diagnosis, and what are the things that make it clear that that's not the right diagnosis. Okay. So let's talk about that next time. Okay. Cool. All right, love. Bye. Bye. Have a great night. You too. Thank you.